0: Let's do this. Hey, you guys. Okay, so I'm so freaking stoked to chat about this today because I have been reading a new book and it has been like everything I didn't know I wanted to read and needed to read. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about getting unbusy and unbusying your life, right? Um, I am reading this book. It's called Getting Unbusy by Garland Vance. And I didn't even realize I bought his book after I listened to the podcast from Michael Folsom. Um, But I bought the book and I didn't even realize he like signed it for me. And he said, Brynn, get busy, getting unbusy. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I didn't, that's cool. Thank you, thank you. So I want to read the very first part of it to you because I can bet we can relate, all right? So he says, I feel like I'm drowning. I am overwhelmed at work and home. I have so much to do and I feel like I can't keep up with it all. Oliver said these words to me over coffee. As he spoke, he dropped his head in shame and scanned the room to see if anyone could hear him. I met Oliver the day before at a productivity workshop I was leading. He approached me at the conclusion of the day and asked if I could help him customize his time management solutions. The next morning we sat at the hotel coffee shop and I asked him to tell me his story. Oliver shared that he was a senior leader at his company. He had started working for the company right out of college and quickly moved up the ladder. People took notice of Oliver's high capacity and competence, so they increased his project load and the number of his direct reports. Oliver now ran a department of 300 employees and had nine people, repl- sorry, and had nine people reporting directly to him. His teams consistently achieved the best results of any team in the organization and people knew it was because of Oliver's leadership. Oliver's team liked him. He cared about them and treated them well, but he pushed them to do more than they thought possible. His team was feeling a bit overwhelmed. When I asked him about his family, Oliver told me that he and his wife, Sarah, had been married for 15 years. They had two kids, an eight-year-old girl and a five-year-old boy. How do you feel when you go home? I asked him. He said he was rarely home. I furrowed my brow in concern. Then he clarified that his whole family was rarely at home. Between the two kids they spent most nights at basketball or soccer practice, there was also drama, ballet, horseback riding, piano lessons, and karate. He explained that when he was growing up, his parents only had enough money for him to play basketball and take piano lessons. He wanted to give his kids all the activities they wanted since he never got that. I asked him if there were any other commitments he had. He told me he was on the board of local of a local homeless shelter which included monthly meetings and frequent opportunities to serve at the soup kitchen. He also volunteered much of his time to his church. His wife was a part of a weekly women's Bible study and served in the children's ministry, and they hosted a family group in their house every week. When he got home most nights, Oliver said goodnight to his kids before they went to bed and then spent time catching up on email. When I'm home, I feel guilty for not being at work, and when I stay late at work, I feel guilty for not being at home. He paused to fiddle with his wedding ring, then continued. Do you want to know the irony of it all? I started reading more and more about time management this year to try to get a grip on this. I've gotten to know so much about it that our company's chief learning officer asked me to teach a day-long workshop on time management. With a look of defeat, Oliver paused, picking up his coffee mug and took a sip. I leaned in, giving him a moment to swallow. It wasn't the first time I had heard a story like Oliver's. His story was familiar enough that I may have been able to tell it for him. I thought I knew what his problem was, but I wanted to see if Oliver knew. Oliver, I said, it sounds like you've got a lot going on at work and home. What do you believe is the central problem you're trying to solve? Oliver said, I can't accomplish everything I need to do. I have so many good things I want to do. I need to figure out how to get more done in less time. Can you help me with that? I took a sip of my coffee and then asked. To be clear, you think the problem is your capacity? You think that you need to achieve more when you're awake? Maybe you should discipline yourself enough to stay awake more hours every day? He nodded. Oliver, you are already accomplishing a substantial amount of work. That's impressive. But I have one more question for you. How are you feeling amid all this accomplishment? How do you feel when you go to bed at night? That's when he said it. I feel like I'm drowning. I am overwhelmed at work and home. I have so much to do that I feel like I can't keep up with it. Oliver's commitments had exceeded his capacity and then he asks you have you ever felt like Oliver you fill your life with good commitments but you feel stressed exhausted and overwhelmed you wake up and go to bed exhausted your heart races at least once every day because you feel like you can't keep up you feel like you're drowning but don't want others to know about it you're afraid people won't respect you if you tell them you can't do it all Maybe, like Oliver, you've concluded the best way to alleviate these feelings is to increase your capacity. You convince yourself to learn better time management skills and get less sleep. Oliver, I told him, your problem is not that you need better time management. He looked stunned and a little disappointed. I continued, don't get me wrong, I love time management and I think it's beneficial, but you don't need more time management strategies, his eyebrows raised in curiosity. If the problem is having too much to do, the solution cannot be to do more. Time management is not your problem. He shoved aside his now empty coffee mug and leaned in. But I came to you because I thought I had a time management issue. How is this not about time management? Your dilemma is that you have too much to do, yet you came to me expecting that I would give you more. Let me say it again. If you already have too much to do, you don't need more to do. His eyes widened and I could see the light bulb flicker on. You're right. Oliver, your problem is busyness. He looked puzzled. Busyness? Yes, busyness. If you don't kill busyness, it will kill you. That seems a little extreme. Why do you say that? Because it almost killed me. Okay. Okay that's the introduction to this book. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, I love it already. Okay. So I want to talk to you more about getting unbusy and some of the, my favorite, favorite things that I have done myself to get unbusy because that doesn't mean that you can't do the things that light your soul on fire. Okay. Okay. Getting unbusy does not mean you have to stop everything and twiddle your thumbs and back to COVID life where we canceled everything and do nothing ever anymore, right? It just means that you have created space in your life for the things that light your soul on fire, whatever that means. And for me, naps light my soul on fire okay so that doesn't mean I have to go out and teach live fitness every day for 17 hours a day because teaching live fitness lights my soul on fire no (laughs) okay there's a difference between I'm doing things that light my soul on fire so that my soul stays on fire And I found something that lights my soul on fire and I've committed to do it 12,000 times. So now it doesn't really light my soul on fire anymore. Actually, I kind of hate it, right? Like there's a huge difference, huge, huge difference, okay? So I want to share a couple of things with you that have really helped me. And the very first one that we can all do today that I'm gonna say right this very second, and you might not like. <sighs> you ready for this? I marked it so I can read it. It's from another book called When Less Becomes More. I love this one so much. People have quickly learned that I'm not the girl who responds immediately to an email or text the minute it's received, and that's okay. I'm not the easiest person to get a hold of at a moment's notice, and that's okay, because not everything is an emergency. I'm gonna read that again. People have quickly learned that I'm not the girl who responds immediately to an email or text the minute it's received and that's okay. I'm not the easiest person to get a hold of at a moment's notice and that's okay because not everything is an emergency. Okay? My notifications are off. Every single one of them besides phone calls and text messages. And I actually have only recently turned off my on my text messages in the last year, they used to be off. They were off for like years and I would only check my text messages when I wanted to. But after everything happened with my dad, I I wanted to be better at texting my family back because I would go days without responding to text messages sometimes. And I people would like make like, oh my gosh, Bryn's commenting on something that we talked about four days ago. And I'm like, I don't, I mean, No one died, like it's okay, but uh, my perspective kind of shifted after my dad really did die, right? So text messages, you get my priority, okay? And uh, phone calls, I wanna know when my husband is calling me or someone, because people who have my phone number, okay, yes. Instagram, nope, they're off. Facebook, nope, they're off. Facebook Messenger, nope, they're off. ESPN, nope, they're off, right? All those things that are all the apps, all the games, all the widgets, all that to-do list apps, all the weirdness, all the productivity apps, all the water drinking apps, even Beach Body On Demand. My notifications are off. Marco Polo. My notifications are off, but I check it every day. But I don't need to see so-and-so is talking, so-and-so is talking, so-and-so is talking, so-and-so is talking, so-and-so is talking. I'll just go in and I'll see, okay, nine people talked while I was missing this, whatever, right? I don't know what's going on until I'm ready to know what's going on. And that has helped me immensely because there were so many moments, especially as a mom, and I'm pretty sure everyone on this call today is a mom, that I would like, oh my gosh, my watch is buzzing or my phone is dinging or pinging or vibrating or whatever. And I'm like, trying to help this kid with such and such thing. And now I feel overwhelmed all of a sudden because I was trying to help you. And now I have to go remember this thing before I forget, right? Nope. (laughs) It'll still be there when I'm ready, when I'm ready to look at it and invest my time in that thing. Okay. And seriously, it is, it is a game changer that's the reason I started with it. Okay. It is a game changer and it is something simple that we can all do today. And guess what? It takes like three whole minutes. Okay. Another thing that I wasn't planning on saying, but I just feel like I should is, um, you know, those like spammy phone calls you get like every freaking day block those people. (laughs) I literally get the call send them to voicemail and immediately block them so that it doesn't become mental space in my, I need to remember to do that. Nope, they just called. I sent them to voicemail. I'm blocking, okay? No, we're uh, no, I'm not gonna mess with it. The only two notifications I get all day long are phone calls and text messages and I'm not gonna waste mental space on a phone call that's a spammer, okay? Sorry, you're getting blocked, right? So that's just the way I roll. And it has been so freeing. Okay. So I want to encourage you to do it as well. Second thing that I want to encourage you to do is to brain dump. That has been huge for me. Like literally, I wish Blake was here right now. So he could just be like a testimony to how true the statement is. But when we were first married, I would literally cry almost every morning and we didn't even have kids yet, <laughs> but I would cry almost every morning. And he's like, what in the freak is wrong today? And every day it was, I'm just Stress. I'm just overwhelmed I just I just, I'm just Right. And then I found this thing called brain dumping. <laughs> and sometimes it's been as glamorous as a sticky note on my counter. And recently more, I've I've started using clever fox planners. And I there's a work to-do list and a personal to-do list every single day. And so I just write it down. I just write it down. And I have found it like it never ceases to amaze me, but I feel so overwhelmed. I feel like I have so much to do. And oh my gosh, I got to remember. Blah, 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 blah. And then when I actually stop and sit down and write out all the things that I have to do, there's like two things. They're just weighing heavy on me. And they're really important things but there's really not the 700 thing list that i think there is in my head there's like two like two things that need to happen and if i make them happen and i get them done i will feel so much lighter i will feel so much relief right and then i can move on with my day and have so much more space and time for rest and freedom and play and whatever right So that concept is also kind of paired with Eat That Frog, right? Which is a book by Brian Tracy, which I also love, but just brain dumping and then really getting out physically on paper, or like if you're a technology person, typing it out or whatever, but getting it out of your brain and onto something else so that it can stop taking up mental space in your head. And then you can prioritize those things of... What needs to happen today? What, what needs to happen this week? What needs to happen eventually, but not necessarily today or this week, okay? And just kind of ma- mapping it out that way can give you so much freedom to, you know what? Find that frock of, I thought I had 20 things to do today. Really, I have one. I just need to do this one thing. And then everything else, if I get any of those things done, it's extra credit. Way to go. Self, patting myself on the back, right? But really, all I have to do today is one thing, right? Okay, next thing that I wanted to share after brain dumping is time blocking, okay? This has been huge for me, and I... I've gotten a lot less strict with it. If you've been around for a while and you've heard me talk about time blocking, I used to like literally map out every hour of every day. Okay, but now I really like to see the white space. I really do, especially cause on Sundays, those are my planning days. And those are the days that I like to look ahead. It's actually kind of shifted to Saturdays cause I found I rest easier and I feel happier on Sunday when I game plan on Saturday. So, but the weekends, the weekends are my plan next week. Let's see what we've got going on, right? And I literally just have a seven day whiteboard thing, Sunday through Saturday. And I found it at a garage sale (laughs) like 10 years ago, but still doing the trick. So whatever, I'm using it, right? And we I literally just write down anything and everything we have so-and-so has a haircut, so-and-so has ballet, so-and-so has soccer, so-and-so has a meeting, so-and-so, like, whatever. This is what we've got going on. And all of a sudden, it makes it go from, oh my gosh, we're going to have the busiest week ever to, okay, Thursday is a little nuts, but that's it. (laughs) That's it, right? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, we have a lot of free space. So, Thursday, I'm only to make sure I do some yoga or some meditation or some chill pillness or whatever. But every other day, I really don't need to stress because it's just Thursday that's a little nuts up, right? Or whatever that looks like. Okay. And then from there, when I get it all out on the white calendar for everyone else to see, I then come to my Clever Fox planner and there's spots to time block from 6 a.m. until 9 p.m. So then I'll just take everything I just wrote out my week at a glance and I'll put it in here and then I'll just be a little more detailed with, okay, it's at nine, right? And I'll write it down. I have a haircut at nine. And then, then in here, not on our family's whiteboard, but in here is where I'll put in anything that's for me for work, right? We have this call at this time. And I need to drive the kids to preschool and I have whatever that's just specific to Bryn. Bryn needs to do this thing at this time on this day. Could I fill this with a million things? I need to shower. I need to get ready. I need to fold the laundry. I need to clean my house 700 times because my children make messes 700 times. I need to make breakfast. I need to make lunch. I need to make dinner. I need to make snacks. I need to check into my group. I need to blah, 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 blah. Sure, I could. And if it helps me to get that brain dump out and plan it in like, okay, this is when I want to fold laundry. This is when I, I have done that. I have done that in the past. And in that season of life, it was really helpful for me to, because I felt like I had a lot of things to do and I wasn't sure how to use my time productively. So I literally like, okay, one to four, that's when I'm going to take a nap and fold the laundry from four to five thirty, That's when I'm going to go outside and take my kids to the park. From 5.30 to 7.30, I'm going to make dinner and have dinner with my family. From 7.30 to 10, then Blake and I are going to have a budget meeting and then we're going to watch a movie together, right? Like I have been that person that has also been that scheduled of this is what I want and need to do during this time. And like I said, in that phase of life, it served me well. It was helpful. And now in the phase of life I'm in right now, no. Nope. I know the things that I need and want to do every day, and I'm going to do them when I feel like it, but I'm not going to rely on motivation. I'm going to rely on discipline. So they will be done by the end of the day, but I'm not going to be so one to four. I have to fold my laundry. If I want to fold my laundry at 10 a.m., okay, I'm going to fold my laundry at 10 a.m. Okay. So, but using those time blocking things to help you really realize everything you have going on. Because so much of our stress and our overwhelm is just because it's all in our heads and we have to feel like we have to remember. And if you're a mom, if you've been pregnant, you forget crap really fast and really easy because you got mom brain and pregnancy brain and life brain and all the things and you're whatever, maybe it's just me, but I forget stuff, yes? And so when I have to take up that mental space to tell myself, remember, 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 remember. Then I'm like even more stressed because I'm like, but I kind of suck at remembering stuff. so." So just give yourself the grace and write it down somewhere. Write it down somewhere, okay? And then really, I encourage you to write it down daily and write it out weekly to really be able to see at a glance, am I really that busy this week? Or do I just have a couple of things that are high on the priority list, but then look at all the white space I still have, right? (sighs) Okay, I'm not that busy. This day's a little crazy, this day's a little crazy, but I'll make it, I can do it, right? One minute at a time, yes? Next step. (sighs) This is one of my favorites. I have a paper. That is by every single mirror in our house. There's a mirror right here. That's why I'm looking right here. Um, but there's a paper in every single room in our house that next to our mirror, that is a anthem from John Acuff from his book, Soundtracks. Okay. And that book is all about like rewiring your brain and trying to have different soundtracks playing in your head, self-love, body positivity, whatever that looks like for you. Okay. But at the end, so it says for 30 days, every morning and every night, find a mirror, stand up straight and confidently say the following out loud. And it's a really powerful anthem. But my favorite, favorite part (laughs) for little miss to-do lists and feel like I never get enough done. So if you can relate like, hi, happy birthday, I see you, right? But at the end, it says in the evening, you're to say to yourself, what a day the best part is i left myself a lot of fun things to work on tomorrow when my head hits that pillow i'm off the clock storing up energy and excitement for a brand new day okay those anthems have been next to our mirrors for probably like a year now ever since soundtracks came out um i don't do it every day i do not read it every day but there's some days when i'm just standing by a mirror and i see it again and i'm like oh Yeah, I love that. And I'll just read through it and whatever. But that part is constantly running through my head. Specifically, the best part is I left myself a lot of fun things to do tomorrow. Right. And I love that. I love that. Just that freeing. Woo. Right. I had a great day. And the best part is I left myself a lot of fun things to do tomorrow. When my head hits that pillow, I'm off the clock, storing up energy and excitement for a brand new day. So it helps me to just, yep, I'm done. I'm tapping out. I'm going to bed. And guess what? I'll wake up tomorrow and I'll be excited to do the things that I need to, right? So I wanted to share that. Okay. Next thing that I wanted to share that will really help you get on busy, that has really helped me is delegation. Okay. Okay to delegate the things that someone else can do 80% as well as you. Okay. And I think it's actually, it's John Maxwell who says that. Um, And I think he actually says 70%. Like if someone else can do it 70% as good as you, then you don't have to do it and you can hand it off to someone else. And this is something that I've gotten better at, but I can still improve on, like even just the littlest things too. Do I seriously have to load the dishwasher every time or can I ask my husband to do it? Can I ask my husband for help? Do I really need to make dinner every single night or can we say that every Thursday night we're gonna get takeout or every Friday, Blake, it's your turn instead. Do I really have to take my son to soccer practice every single week? Or can Blake do it sometimes? Or can grandma take him sometimes? Do I want to go every time? Yeah. Do I have to go every time? No, it's just soccer practice, right? Like the game, that's that's something else, right? But it's just practice, right? So I want to see him improve, but just relieving that weight of I don't have to do it all. And that does not make me a bad mom. That does not make me a bad person. Okay. If there's one week where, you know what? I'm not going to go this week. I'm going to go have a girl's night instead. Husband, will you please take him to soccer practice? That doesn't make me a bad person, right? That does not make me a bad mom. That makes me a great mom because then I'm allowing other people to have the opportunity to watch him and be with him and help see him grow as well. Right. Because guess what? It takes a village. Moms can't do it all. Sometimes dads and grandmas and things aren't needed too. Yes. So delegation that way. Delegation also, when it comes to, you know what, I don't want to take three kids while I'm 30 weeks pregnant and my back hurts like 99.999% of my day. I don't want to take them grocery shopping. So, guess what? I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm going to use Instacart, a uh, grocery delivery service that literally brings the groceries to my house. Yep, I'm going to delegate the grocery shopping. And technically, I haven't really delegated it because I'm still the one who plans the meals. I'm still the one who gets on instacart.com and types in the things that we need and want. I'm still the one that chats with the person shopping with me when they need a replacement or they need a clarification or whatever. But it's just like if you sent your husband to the store and you're texting him about, no, don't get that one. Get this one instead. It's the same exact concept, but it's just a stranger from Instacart. Okay. And they're bringing my groceries to my house instead of me having to take all three kids in my big pregnant body to the grocery store, okay? One of the best delegation things ever, okay? And then I don't clean my own house, you guys, I don't. I have someone else clean my house for me. I tidy my house. You better believe I tidy my house like 17 times a day trying to get better at it, to limit it only to once or twice. But I tidy my house. Do I scrub the toilets? No, I do not. (laughs) Do I take out the trash? On Sunday nights, because my trash comes on Monday, yes, but I do not empty the wastebaskets. And my five-year-old son is in charge of taking out the recycling every day. And my husband, it's, we've never really had this conversation sometimes i take out the trash but a lot of the times he will okay but those little things i don't vacuum my own house i do not scrub my own toilets i do not clean my own bathroom mirrors i do not dust my blinds i pay somebody else to do that and honestly it brings me a lot of joy and a lot of fulfillment because i can leave my house and go play with my kids for like three hours at the park While someone else is cleaning my house and I can come home and it's spotless and beautiful and glistening and sparkly. And I didn't have to do it. And I got to go play at the park instead. And I got to provide an income for this person who likes cleaning and who likes it enough that they wanted to make it their job. Okay. And I can provide some income for that person and a job for that person. So. Delegating those types of things. I also really want to stress, I think I'm in good company here, but just in case, mamas, you need to hear this, there have been so many times when Blake and I have gone on trips, just the two of us, whether it's just like a night away on a staycation, or most recently when we went to Punta Cana, just the two of us for six days, that we ran into so many other couples, right, with their kids. And they see my, you know, pregnant belly and they're like, oh, congratulations, is this your first? And I'm like, no, actually it's our fourth. And they're like, what? Like, I just totally assumed this was your first because you don't have any other kids with you. And I'm like, yeah, no, they're home. They're at home with grandma and, and with a friend. They were with a friend for three days and they were with grandma for three days. And, and A husband, multi-husbands actually were like, oh, I wish my wife would let us do that. That would be so nice. And you could just see like the stress of the travel on this poor dad who's like wrestling three kids and trying to get him ice cream, but he's on vacation and wants to be relaxing, but he's not relaxing at all, right? And I was talking to my next door neighbor about Blake and I are going on a date on Friday. Like we're leaving for like four hours, right? And he was like, oh, I'm just so excited to get to have adult time with my wife again. And I was like, like do it, like go, uh, go on a date or something. And he's like, well, that's just not the way she was raised. She just doesn't trust anyone to be with her kids. And it, I, she, we've just gotta, yep, it's us, it's all us. And we don't have family close, so it's all us. And like my heart just like ached for that poor husband. <laughs> moment and the poor mom. Like, oh my gosh, I think I would have zero hair and a hundred percent grays if that was how I decided to be a mom. I need time to myself. (laughs) My marriage matters to me and I need time with my spouse. I need time to go on dates with him. I need time to go serve in the temple with him. I need time at least once a year to go on a trip, just the two of us, whether it's one night on a staycation or several nights. Blake and I took a class when we were dating. Um, I can't remember, but it was it was an institute, like religion class. Um, I can't remember what it was called now, but it was something like courting and dating and marriage and courting and whatever. And 99% of the people in that class were single. (laughs) It was so odd, but we were dating almost engaged when we took that class. And I remember that that is something that they emphasized a million times is that when in, in the next life, whether you're the same religion as me or not, you'll get to know some of my beliefs right here, right now. When we're in the next life, we are with our spouse, sealed forever, right? And guess what? Our children are with their spouses, sealed forever. And yes, you are sealed as a family, but you are mostly just sealed to your spouse and then everyone is sealed to their spouses, right? So there's just gonna be a whole bunch of spouses everywhere doing their thing, right? So make sure, yes, you love your kids, of course, Help them grow up to be thriving people who contribute to the greater good of society, right? Happy birthday, whatever. But make sure (laughs) your spouse is a priority because when all is said and done, it's going to be you two. It's going to be you two, right? And this is a totally separate tangent real quick, but I read the book Baby Wise when I was pregnant with my son, Holland. And in the introduction of the book, he talked about how if you really want your kid to thrive, I can give you all these tips about nap, play, sleep, time, schedule, nap, whatever. But if you really want your kid to thrive, make your marriage a priority. Because kids whose mom and dad, they know they're rock solid. Those are the kids who really thrive. And this is not coming from a judgmental, if you're divorced, you're a person. Like that is, my parents are divorced and I turned out just fine, right? But I do know that I have some issues <laughs> <and> some scarring <laughs> because that is a part of my life and my background, right? So the more you can really make your spouse a priority, and make those little things like date nights and trips even if it's just one night once a year away just the two of you like I cannot recommend it enough and spoiler alert y'all I don't have family who can watch them either really besides Blake's mom and she's not in the best of health so I made a friend I made a friend (laughs) and uh me and her do swaps it's Another form of delegation, okay? So it helps me to get unbusy and to really have time for myself, for my marriage, for travel, for things that bring me joy, okay? So just in case you needed to hear it, mama, there's no reward for being a helicopter parent, There's no reward for spending 900 million hours with your children before they move, go off and whatever, right? I needed to hear that as a perfectionist mom who has a degree in early childhood education, right? I even know about the different management styles and helicopter parenting and all that jazz. And I still find myself leaning towards I got to be in every second and every crack and every crevice. No, I don't. I can open the front door. We have a safe neighborhood. We live in a cul-de-sac. I can hear them. They'll come find me if they're crying. It's okay for me to leave them alone sometimes. It's okay for me to let them play independently sometimes. And I actually want to read this from Getting Unbusy. He says in here, um... Adults spend more time doing informal work. The Bureau of Labor Statistics reported in 2015 that parents of young children spend seven hours every workday taking care of their kids. Earlier generations gave children more independence and mobility, but today's parenting is more time and labor intensive, right? Let's let our kids be kids. Let's let them play by themselves sometimes. Let's let them go to Grandma's house sometimes. Let's get let them go to a friend's house sometimes. Let's give ourselves space to breathe and let's give our kids self time to discover who they are without mom, constantly there. Okay? I wasn't planning on saying that, but for whatever reason it felt like it needed to come out. So there you go. Happy birthday. Okay. Next thing I wanted to share really, truly giving yourself, The opportunity to rest, to get adequate amounts of sleep. You guys know me. I talk about this all the freaking time because I'm super passionate about it, okay? Because I used to feel like if I took a nap, I'm a terrible person. And I know someone close to me who literally has a sticker hanging up in her office that says naps are for sissies, okay? And so I believed that for a really long time that naps are for sissies. And then I watched my mom, my own mom, who is in her fifties and absolutely like slaying life, who just wrote her third book and whatever. She takes a nap every freaking day. And I'm like, well, my mom's not a sissy. My mom is not a sissy. So naps must not be for sissies. There must be something to this. And then when I read the book Essentialism, he talked about how people who really are actually productive like in their life and not just kind of going through the motions and groggily doing it, sleep is a priority. Sometimes as a culture, we like, yay, glorify burning both ends of the candle. And I stayed up until 1 AM and I woke up at five. Look how amazing I am, right? Like. But he was the first author that I heard that like, no, 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 (laughs) no. If you really want to be productive and you really want to do good work, sleep for eight hours and maybe that means six hours at night and a two hour nap in the middle of the day. Maybe that's what works best for you. But eight hours of sleep is recommended for a reason, right? For a reason. And learning more about chronotypes, I've learned that some literally thrive on seven hours, lions being one of them, and some need nine to really truly thrive. So that, but if I got nine hours of sleep, I would not be productive, I would feel groggy, right? So learning yourself and learning what that looks like, but prioritizing rest. And really this is Bryn talking to herself, but a lot of the times when I'm on a call like this, I'm like, okay, I'll have a little one ear listening and then I'll be being productive with my my hands, right? I'll listen and I'll be productive. So I like do the dishes and I make meals. And yesterday when I was on calls, I made my baby's crib and put it all together and whatever. But like, it's okay to just, sit. Sometimes it's okay to just sit and enjoy and be there here, right? Doing whatever it is that you're doing fully. Yes. So give yourself permission to rest. And if you need it, literally put in times of your day where it is your rest time. And it's been really nice because I have kids to blame it on, quote unquote, but I think I'm going to keep it forever. I never plan anything between the hours of 12 to 3. Anytime we make plans, it's either before noon or after 3. Why? Because I have kids who need to nap. But guess what? I also thrive on that quiet time to myself. And my older kids don't nap anymore. My baby, she's not a baby. I gotta stop calling her that, she's two. My youngest, she she still does nap, right? But even when we're out of the phase of napping, I still think we're gonna have quiet time. (laughs) Go read for an hour. Go watch a show for an hour. This is when I'm gonna let you watch something, whatever you want. And otherwise we're trying to be outside or playing or whatever right? Go. I need time to myself, right? So that I can recharge, rejuvenate, re-energize in the middle of my day so that I can have a great morning and a great afternoon and not be so frazzled because I've been going Mach 10 with my hair on fire all freaking day long, okay? So there's a part, I just feel like I want to share this. There's a part in the book, I'm pretty sure it's start, might be finished by John a. Cuff. I love him, just in case I haven't quoted him enough already. He's the guy that I talked about with soundtracks. Um, but he talked about how if New York City didn't have Central Park, it would literally implode on itself. Like, so some people look at Central Park and they're like, what a waste of space. <laughs> Like, look at how many buildings and hotels and theaters could be in that space if you just removed Central Park. But the smart people of New York, I don't know who, but if New York was literally crammed from one end to the other with buildings and theaters and hotels and apartments and people and taxis and traffic and shopping and it would implode (laughs) and it would not go well, right? So he encourages you in that book to find your central park, to find your tipping point of, if I don't have this, I go crazy. I fall apart, right? And for some people, that's Krav Maga. For some people, that's piano. For some people, that's volunteering at Horses for Heroes, right? For some people, that's taking a nap. Everyone has their own version of Central Park and their own version of taking care of themselves, then their own version of making sure they don't implode. But know what that is for you. And I challenge you not just to make it a weekly or monthly priority, but a daily thing. And it doesn't have to be the same, whatever. I love Chopped. Okay. I love the show Chopped. And so recently I've been pairing something that I hate folding laundry with something that I love the show Chopped. And so I've allowed myself some central park time when my baby is asleep, I'm on watch Chopped and I'm all fold laundry on the commercials. And it has helped me be super productive with folding my laundry because I want to do it fast. So I don't have to be folding once the commercial is over. Right. And it's helped me to have some time just to. (sighs) this is nice, right? This is nice. So find your central park and make it a priority every day to have that rejuvenation recharge multiple times in your day, if possible. And have that for me, it's, I, I wake up early so that I can have a little bit of time to myself before my kids wake up. I need time in the middle of the day And as soon as my kids go to bed at night, I need time to shower or take a bath or read a fiction book or whatever before Blake and I get back together and hang out or be productive or whatever it is we're gonna do once our kids are in in bed, okay? So just having those reset points for yourself multiple times a day. Yes, no shame in resting. Okay, last thing I want to share, and I'm sorry, this has been a longer, I'm not sorry. This has been a longer call, but apparently there was a lot to share, right? Um, But last thing I wanted to share was actually something that my sister shared with me when she was serving a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And she said in an email, just like a one-handed off statement, but she said, if you're too busy to read your scriptures, you're way busier than God ever intended you to be, right? And that really hit me hard. And I think, again, sometimes we like, I gotta be perfect. And if I can't spend an hour in my scriptures in the morning, then I'm not gonna do it at all, right? No, (laughs) I literally have found this app called Come Follow Me. And there's like, uh, it's a story. It reads like Instagram stories. And I just tap on it every single morning. I try to do it while I'm eating my breakfast, first thing in the morning. And it literally just reads like stories. So I just tap through and it has like every single morning, it has like an introduction. And then it says like, before we get, before we begin, take a moment to be silent and or still, or take a moment to connect with God in prayer or before we begin, blah, blah, blah. Then the second story, if you will, is a scripture. Then the third story is them, someone from this community, I don't know who they are, sharing a two minute max three minute message with you about the scripture that you just read, right? And their thoughts and their insight around it. Then the fourth story is a little commitment of like, what did you learn? And there's like a, it's like a multiple choice, like quiz thing. Like this really stood out to me from today's message. And then the fifth story is if you want to go deeper with the with what the topic was about there's a couple of resources like there's a talk there's a scripture whatever there's a couple of options that way if you want to go deeper and then the fifth the like last story is just like a quote that you can share if you want it literally takes me about through no the video is like two to three minutes takes me about four minutes (laughs) to go through those stories every single day and it has been amazing right so I'm making it a priority to spend time with God because that matters to me. And I don't want to be too busy for Him, right? But I'm also not putting all this giant pressure on myself that I must read 10 pages of the Book of Mormon every day or the Bible or and I need to read a devotional and a conference talk. And I need to do this and 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 this. And this right. Just whew, I just need to do my best. And in the season of life I'm in, this is awesome. And this is. Making my soul come alive. And I have that time with God, and it's wonderful. Okay. So that has been huge for me. Okay. So if you're too busy to make time for God and your family, you are way busier than God ever intended you to be. And if you're not a religious person, I'm sorry for that example, but hello, happy birthday, get to know me. I am religious. So you're going to hear me talk about God a lot. Okay. So really, truly, what can you get rid of? The whole book, When Less Becomes More, is basically about good is good enough. And sometimes in our culture, we think we have to be great and we think our kids have to be great. They can't just be great at soccer, but they have to be great at soccer and football and drama and dance and, right? And, 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 instead of just, Nope. Just pick one thing. Just pick one thing and be really good at it. And that's good enough. And you don't have to be great at a hundred things. Right. And she talks about giving yourself more space to have family dinners so that you're not like Oliver from the beginning of this book that I shared. And we don't even have time to be at home because we're constantly running from this, to 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 this Right. And giving yourself permission to, no, we're not, we're not gonna do that. And kiddo, love you. And like Oliver said, sometimes we have that expectation in our head of like, I could, my parents couldn't afford to blah, blah, blah. So I wanna be able to give my kids blah, 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 because I didn't have that. Which, yes, there is beauty in that. But then we also create spoiled little brats, really. Not sugarcoating that, yeah. It's okay for our children to be told no. Whether or not money is an issue, it's okay for you to encourage them to pick one thing that they can get really freaking good at and then have so much more time to hang out with the family and play outside and be young, right? Play video games with dad or go to the park with their siblings or whatever, right? The last thing I want to read about that, um, it's from the same like studies show thing, but it says the average high school kid today has the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient in the early 1950s. I'm going to read that one more time just in case you missed that. The average high school kid today has the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient in the early 1950s. We are getting more anxious every decade. Some of the leading causes of anxiety for teenagers are overcommitment and putting too much pressure on themselves to perform all of their commitments with excellence. And we really do glorify as a community that kid who's in all honors classes and the captain of the football team and the student body president and the prom king and the whatever, right? Like, what about that kid who's just really freaking good at helping his mom at home? Do we glorify him enough, right? And just getting better and more aware as a culture on ourselves and on other people Busyness is not a good thing. Busyness is not to be worn like a badge of honor. Give yourself the space to have a soul that's on fire and having too many good things can absolutely lead to a bad thing. I know I said that was the last thing I wanted to read, but okay, for real, this is the last thing I want to read. We have all assumed, no, sorry. Why have we all assumed that busyness is a good thing? Because our good commitments build our busyness. Busyness is an overcommitment to do too many good commitments. When I was busy, my life was full of good commitments work, family, school, church, friendships, all of these were good. But when I added those good commitments together, they became too much. They became the opposite of good, they became bad. Too many good commitments. Add up to a bad life. Okay. Too many good commitments add up to a bad life. So I give you permission, just in case you need it, my beautiful friends, to clear your space, to clear your calendar, to say no to people, to say no to things, to give yourself room to breathe. To give yourself room to rest, to give yourself room for hobbies, to give yourself room for play and laughter and reading and whatever it is that you need, that your family needs. And to stop thinking that we're high and mighty just because we have this giant to-do list. Okay? So I challenge you to watch your words. If someone says, how are you doing? Don't say I'm busy. Okay. Because that's not a good thing. Let's get rid of that, that, that. That's somehow good. Okay. All right, you guys, that's it. Thank you for sticking around. If this message spoke to you today, please feel free to share it with someone you love. It would mean the world to me if you would leave this podcast a quick review from wherever you're listening from so that other mamas can find it too. Be sure to find me on Instagram so that we can be friends in real life. You can find me at Bryn Wise. Thank you for making the choice to become a mom. Thank you for loving your kids. Remember that you are doing better than you think you are. Remember to lean on your village. Remember the biggest contribution you make in this world might not be something you do, but someone you raise. And always remember to give yourself grace.